Holy One, we wait and hope for your peace. We live in the promise of your love. As the days darken and the nights lengthen, light our way with your promised presence. Prepare us to celebrate your birth and guide us to create your kingdom on earth. In hopeful expectation, we pray. Amen. Good morning. We're going to continue here through Galatians. We made it up to right about the last verse of chapter 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All of us must test their own work. Then that work, rather than our neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the words must share in all good things with their teacher. So do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to think about a time in your life where you were deeply loved. Somebody really had an eye on you. Somebody really thought you were pretty special. Before I came to work here at Whitworth, I was living in Phoenix, and I had recently gotten a new job. I was a big adult. I was out of grad school. I finally got my first job, and I bought a condo in downtown Phoenix. So I thought that I had really <laughs> made it. I was a condo owner. It had no furniture in it, and I had no money really at that point to even buy any furniture. So I was scraping and borrowing from the few people that I even knew in this new town that I had just moved to. I had recently met um, my now husband, and he and I had sort of just been dancing around each other quite a bit. We hadn't made anything official. There was no DTR that had happened yet. Um, but he was sniffing around every once in a while, and I thought that he was, he was cute. But nothing official had happened with him at that point. And a friend of mine um, let me come to her house, and she had the most beautiful buffet. Not everybody here might know. Do you know, anybody know what a buffet is? 
It's a large, large piece of furniture. It's very heavy. It's something to put plates on, and it's, got, it's for decorating purposes in a lot of ways. I loved it, and I decided that it was going to be mine. And by the way, I lived on the second floor, and there were concrete stairs. I recognized quickly I would need a truck. I would need at least three large bodies to help move this piece of equipment, and I would need a dolly, is that what they're called, with the wheels to move them around. But I was going to get this piece of furniture into my little condo. And I had mentioned this to Kyle at the time that I thought, wow, I've, I'm really <laughs> raking it in. I've got this incredible antique that's going to make it into my condo. And I was bound and determined. So for about three or four days, I was calling. I was trying to figure out how to rent trucks, how I was going to get it over. And then I was so overwhelmed with how much work it was going to take. And I ended up flying away for the weekend. I had a wedding that I had to go to. And I came back Sunday night, and I unlocked the, the door of my condo, and I walked in, and there she sat in all of her glory. And I remember I stood there and just could not believe it. Kyle had figured out a way to move this piece of furniture without me knowing in a very selfless, seamless way, something that I thought was a huge stress, he took on very seamlessly and moved it in for me. And it was in that moment that I recognized that he really liked me. <laughs> What guy would do this for somebody that I didn't really like? Because that was a really big piece of furniture. <laughs> but he made my stress his stress because he loved me. The scripture today says, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul made this command a high, high priority. One commentator said that this is his centerpiece of the entire letter. The first half of this letter we've heard, he is defending again and again and again, justification by faith, by faith, by faith. He argues against all of this bondage to the law. That's not what we're about anymore. Because of Christ, because of what he has done, we are free in him. We're no longer enslaved to that law. So in 514, he says the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. A lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what's written in the law? He said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have given the right answer. Go and do this. But the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? And remember what Jesus says. There was a man who was walking down a road, and he fell into the hands of robbers, and they stripped him, and they beat him, and they left him half dead. Then there was a priest, remember, walking down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And then there was a Levite. And he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan came near to him, had pity on him. He took him, and he bandaged up his wounds, and he put him on his donkey, and he took him to the inn, and he gave money to the innkeeper. 
to care for him and said, I will come back and repay whatever more is spent on him. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. I give you a new command that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you should love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciple. If you have love for one another. How do we love our neighbor? We bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To inherit eternal life, you must fulfill the law. To fulfill the law, you must love your neighbor. To love your neighbor, you must bear each other's burdens. So what is a burden? This Greek word barios means something that makes an overwhelming demand on us. It's something that brings sorrow or grief. It's an incredibly heavy load. It slows your pace. Some liken it to a trap that an animal falls into that they cannot get out of. It affects every part of your life. Burden is pain. And Jesus says, carry this pain for each other. So however do we do this? How are we to bear each other's burdens? The first thing we're to do is to get down on our knees, to get in the dirt. Humility. There's a story of a lady that gets caught in a flash flood underneath an underpass. The water is rising up to the floorboard, and this young guy in a four-wheel drive he comes up across the bridge on uh, top, and he stops, and he opens the door, and he leans down, and he sees this woman, and he says, ma'am, can I help you? And she says, not from up there. He is of no use to her up there. Humility is this idea that we get down on the level of another one in pain. Humility is the foundation of the command that in Galatians 6.1, you who are spiritual should restore a brother or sister. This word spiritual doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're holier than thou. It doesn't mean that you're such a better Christian than your roommate or your neighbor. It means that you're full of the spirit. Paul talks about this spirit. A spirit that means you're full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you wrap all of those up, you have a spirit of humility. So when we approach someone with a painful burden, we're not supposed to do it out of a spirit of, oh, I'm better than you, or why did you get in this mess in the first place, or I can't believe that you were that dumb, but you do it out of spirit of humility, of compassion, of mercy. I heard a story once of a mother who was at odds with her teenage son. They were fighting constantly. It was as if they were speaking another language. You all remember being adolescents and trying to communicate with these 
strange beings in your house called parents that didn't know, didn't get it, didn't understand. After one big doozy of a fight, the, the son stormed out, slammed the door, and left. And this mother walked up into his room. And she prayed for God to help her understand. By the way, that word understand means to stand under, to humble yourself, to listen. And she saw a pair of his shoes on the floor, and she went and slipped her feet into his shoes and walked around his room. She was trying to feel what it must be like to be him. To love our neighbors means that we walk around in their shoes. We look with their eyes, not our own. The second thing we have to do is to let the weight of the burden become your own. I once heard about a young life leader who was to lead a week of camp, and he had worked really hard to invite a kid to come who was in a wheelchair. And not wanting that boy to be the only one at camp for a whole week in a wheelchair, he bought himself a wheelchair and spent the entire week in it. He rolled right alongside this young man. He allowed the burden of this camper to become his burden. He carried it with him. I will do this week with you in your shoes. And the third thing you've got to do is to carry that burden. Tony Campolo tells the story of walking through a train station, and he came upon this large crowd that was gathered. There was a man who was having some kind of seizure. He was writhing there on the dirty concrete floor, and suddenly another stranger pushed through the crowd. He knelt beside the man. With swift, experienced movements, he took off his jacket, he wadded it up, and he put it underneath the man's head. And then he reached down, and he held the man's head so it wouldn't thrash about. And the seizure finally calmed, and the crowd melted away. But Tony Campolo stayed there, and he looked at the stranger, and he commended him and said, what an incredible, tender response you had to this man. And the stranger shook his head and said, it was, it was nothing. It was nothing. But Campolo insisted that it had to have been something marvelous. But the stranger looked at him and he said, you see what, you, you know what, mister, the two of us, we were in Vietnam together. And when our helicopter was shot, shot down, my friend Bill here, he was wounded so badly about the shoulders but both of my legs were torn up by shrapnel. And we waited and we waited for a rescue copter to come pick us up. But I couldn't walk at all, and I was slowly bleeding to death. So I told Bill to try and get out without me, and he wouldn't listen. And instead, he picked me up on his wounded shoulders, and he carried me for three days through the jungle to safety. For three days through the jungle. Years later, I received a letter telling me that Bill was sick with this condition. So I quit my job, I sold my car, I sold my house, and I flew here to take care of him. Because, mister, after what he did for me, there is nothing I wouldn't do for him. Lord God, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Love your neighbor by bearing burdens.
My friends, we live in a time right now where the message is buck up, fend for yourself. I got this. I don't need any help with this. I don't need no counseling. We are not designed to carry around this pain by ourselves. About three years ago, I had a student in my office who was heartbroken, and she was sharing with me part of her story about her little sister that had severe special needs. And after a while, she sat and she cried, and I teared up with her, and I looked at her, and I said, me too. I get that. Because my nephew has severe special needs, and I carry that with me every day. And for a moment, I took her hand, and the load the burden was lightened. And that is the miracle about carrying somebody else's load is that somehow we are changed, we are lightened, and we can move again a little more swiftly. Life begins to come back. If you continue to live faithfully in carrying somebody else's burden, your burden won't seem so heavy you will actually be filled up to carry more. So we do all of these things because he first took on our burden, because he humbled himself, because he got in the dirt, because he walked in our shoes. He listened. He let the weight of our burden become his, and he carried it for us. The great wounded healer, when we come to him with our burden, He lifts it and he says, me too. I get it. No greater love than this, he says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.